This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Good afternoon to you. I am Adam Gold, and welcome inside PNC Arena, where tonight the Hurricanes take on the New Jersey Devils, and it is Game 1, Eastern Conference Semifinal Series. Uh, we already had the other Eastern Conference semifinal begin in Toronto, where the Florida Panthers continue doing what the Florida Panthers have been doing of late, which was, well, whatever. I don't care what you say. Uh, we're going to figure out a way to win a game. Uh, Panthers have now won four in a row. They won three straight to eliminate the Bruins. They took game one in Toronto last night. Better team pretty much start to finish. And by the way, Seattle did the same thing in Dallas as they continue their winning ways. Uh, what does home ice advantage mean in the NHL playoffs? Absolutely nothing. Hopefully it will mean something tonight to Carolina. It's really the, one of the places where the home ice advantage has mattered in the playoffs, albeit very short sample size. The Hurricanes have only played three playoff games so far here at PNC Arena. They won two, lost the last one, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, this, and we talked about this yesterday, this is the playoff rivalry. I know Boston has been the nouveau riche rivalry because it has been so recent, but the truth is, is that I realized last year's series went seven games, but I mean, Carolina was the better team than Boston. The only real contested series was all the way back in 2009. The Canes and the Devils, man, these two teams have playoff history. 2001, Scott Stevens knocking out Ron Francis. 2002, the Kevin Weeks save as the Hurricanes surprised the New Jersey Devils, even though Carolina had home ice advantage. I believe they qualified either with the seventh or eighth best record in the conference. They just happened to win the Southeast Division, so they ended up with home ice throughout the playoffs on the eastern side until they got to the Stanley Cup Finals, which they did against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but they were a decided underdog against New Jersey and upset them. And then the uh, 2006, you know, Carolina was, I mean, they actually were not the best team in the East. I don't know how people know that. They were, I believe they were the two seed to Ottawa. Uh, but obviously Carolina was great. And the Devils weren't as good, but there were still some interesting moments in that series. And then 2009 gives us, the shock at the rock. So this is the playoff rivalry that the Carolina Hurricanes really uh, cultivated with the Devils. And it has not been anywhere for the last 13 years because the Devils haven't really done much of late. Since 2012, the Devils have only made the playoffs once. And that was in 2018. And they were a one and done in the playoffs. But this Devils team is absolutely for real. We've, we've used this phrase before. Sometimes you don't know when it's your time. I think the Devils understand that it could be their time. And maybe that's why they went out and got Timo Meyer at the deadline. No idea. And remember, Carolina was heavily in the mix for Timo Meyer as well. But uh, this should be a, an absolute fun series. The Devils are an exciting team to watch. And it's going to take everything Carolina has to kind of slow them down 
just a little bit. So we got a lot of things to do today. Uh, we're going to talk NBA basketball because the two playoff games last night were great. Also, there's a ton of NFL news to get to. But before we start any of that, Nick Stevens, our guy, managing editor, HighSchoolOT.com. He joined us yesterday because the High School Athletic Association was discussing recommending NIL uh, being okay for high school athletes. Uh, and I know the uh, they recommended it yesterday. So, Nick, where do we stand today? When is the vote? Will it be a unanimous passing of that vote? Uh, by a 15-3 to 3 vote, NIL for high school athletes will be legal in North Carolina starting on July 1 of this year. 15-3, who dissented? Uh, well, that's a good question uh, that we don't know the answer to yet because uh, the meeting that we're able to view is audio only, uh, and they don't vote by uh, voice, uh, so we won't actually know that unless they share it with us in the um, in the press conference in a few minutes or uh, until the minutes are released publicly from the meeting. So, um, you know, there there were a few people who were raising some concerns about whether or not there was enough educational material available about this and and those types of things. But uh, it was pretty clear, I thought, yesterday, just from the wording of how things were being put together, that this was likely to pass, and, and it has. All right, and you and I talked yesterday, and Nick Stevens from HighSchoolOT.com, managing editor, is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. We talked about what parameters there might be. We used the term guardrails. They want to protect no alcohol, no tobacco, no adult uh, entertainment uh, issues. Uh, I'm assuming that all of that is also is still in the uh, in the bill, uh, but were there any changes made? Any alterations? Uh, they have not shared any major changes. Uh, my understanding is that there were a few uh, tweaks to like uh, like editorial tweaks of how things might have been worded, but nothing that was real material uh, has changed um, in any of that. And uh, those types of things that you just mentioned are still not going to be allowed. Um, and, and the process right. itself is, is, uh, pretty much the same. Yeah. No, uh, I think no, uh, no, no, uh, guns or ammunition as well. Yep. Uh, no, uh, vaping products or anything. No, uh, no cannabis. Uh, th- did they draw the line on like, uh, hemp products? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that either. Maybe maybe I should ask that in the press Not- conference. Uh, <laughs> they, they that one wasn't specifically listed. Um, you know, right. I, I I honestly think, and you you may share this opinion. I'll let you express that. But most of those things. Those types of companies and whatnot are not going to be reaching out to high school kids for NIL deals anyway. So I said the same uh, thing. I, I, I said the same thing back in the college NIL debate. Yeah. Like, no, who's doing that? Nobody's doing that. Yeah, yeah, I just don't foresee that being a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, say a couple of other things, because I know there's more on the agenda, not just this today, and I wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on this before I let you run to, uh, to monitor the meeting. Um, so the bill goes into effect on July 1 for people, uh, and these kids can appear at camps and do all that stuff as of – uh, as of July 1 with other than those companies, those industries, no restrictions, correct? Correct. All right. Um, final four of basketball. Did they agree on that? Did I see that correctly? That did. That passed unanimously. So starting next year, we will change the basketball playoff format, and we will have a final four format for the semifinals and the finals. 
Uh, all of those games will take place at one location. Uh, that location is not set yet, but you'll have the semifinals played uh, Monday through Thursday. So you, you may have like, they haven't set the schedule, but just right. for uh, an example, you may have 1A on Monday and 3A on Tuesday and 2A on Wednesday and 4A on uh, Thursday. Games would be all throughout the day. And then you would have the state championships on Friday and Saturday. Um, and so uh, th- this is how a lot of states do it uh, in our right. region here in the Southeast and, and really across the country. Um, and this is something that a lot of basketball coaches have really wanted for a long time. So uh, they are moving to that model. And I think it's going to be good for high school basketball in North Carolina. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, also, I wonder, is there a, uh, is there a money-making opportunity here for the North Carolina High School Athletic Association to like uh, say Charlotte and Raleigh want to bid on uh, uh on, on the final four or do you just rotate it? I know they use the, the, the local, you know, up here, the triangle venues as much as possible, but uh, could, yep. do we see it like that? Well, I mean, they have to go to a place where they're wanted um, and where there's <laughs> infrastructure in place. So right. you know, you, that's why like uh, the, the great Raleigh sports Alliance, you know, they, they are really involved in that. Um, and uh, anytime that there's a, there's an NCHSA event here, um, so you have to have organizations like that that, that are willing to be part okay. of um, bringing events here. Um, Raleigh is one that that is very active in that. So you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if PNC Arena would be an option given the the timing of the the year there uh, with with the hurricanes and right. college basketball. But um, you know, I, I think the Dean Dome is an obvious thing to look sure. at because uh, that's where they host state championships now. Um, at least some of them. Uh, I don't think Reynolds is quite big enough, um, but uh, you know, they. I think they've got options. I think they'll probably look at the Greensboro Coliseum. Um, obviously, ACC tournament's not there next year. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they look at some locations in Charlotte. Um, but uh, I think it's safe to say it's going to be at one of those big arenas. Uh, that because that's kind of the whole purpose in, in moving this direction. Is Cameron also not big enough with ninety three hundred seats? Um, I don't think they would. Uh, I, I I think they would have sold that out in a few games this year. Okay, but right, yeah. good. I'm I'm glad there's uh, that kind of interest. Very quickly, uh, shot clock, thirty five seconds. Are we going to that in high school basketball? We are not going to that right now. They're going to create a committee to study, you know, the impact uh, financially on the schools, how it might impact right. playoffs, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, they. I suspect we will revisit this in the winter board meeting in December. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if it gets passed uh, at that meeting for 2024, 2025. All right. Final thing for Nick Stevens and how long you go on this is entirely up to you. Uh, Cause I know you have to, you have to go. Uh, but the charters and there's a lot of charters. My son goes to a, He'll be going to a charter uh, high school more than likely next year. Uh, and some privates uh, did I see that they're going to take the almost regardless of size that they're going to push them into the higher classifications uh, among the high school athletic association? You did see that. Um, well, at least that's the the uh, proposal in the charter omnibus bill in the House uh, right now. An amendment was made yesterday that would say uh, charter schools have to end the private schools like Cardinal Gibbons and, and right. there's four of them in the state association. Uh, but they would have to identify where their students would go to school if they were in a traditional public school. Uh, and wherever the majority of those students would have gone, 
that is the classification that charter school will be in. So uh, we're actually running some models on what this would look like. Uh, We're hoping to have that published later today or tomorrow on high school OT. J. Mike Blake is doing a lot of work on that. Uh, And it's pretty astonishing. Um, J. Mike sent me some stuff. You know, when we go to seven classifications, um, which is on the supposed to happen in two years, uh, green level high school in Cary would be 6A under this plan, while uh, South South Wake uh, Academy would be 7A. Uh, so you're going to have this really small <laughs> charter school in 7A right. against, uh, and green level will be 6A. And Wake Prep uh, just joined yeah. the NCHSA or will join the NCHSA uh-huh. later this, this year. Uh, they play football. They pull from an area around Wake Forest. Yep. So it's possible they could be playing high school football with a small charter school against teams like Wake Forest and Heritage and Rollsville, who are large schools uh, in North Carolina, who two of them have played for, one of them has won multiple state championships. Uh, you know, you're talking about a potential health and safety issue there. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> so. I don't think this was well thought, thought through um, <laughs> in, in, in some instances, um, you know, and, and you can go read this on high school T now, but uh, we, we also went through some of what was said in that committee hearing yesterday. Um, and they specifically pointed out Christ the King, which is a one, a 1A high school, a parochial school in, in uh, Cabarrus County. Uh, they beat Rosewood high school, a traditional one, a public school in the boys soccer state championship last fall. Um, and they said that Christ the King was a private boarding school bringing in players from across the, the world to play there, and that's just patently false. They are not a boarding school. Boarding schools are not allowed to be members of the NCHSA, um, and uh, we're working on confirming this, but my understanding is that they don't have international students either. So, um, you know, And if they do, they have to abide by the same eligibility rules that all NCHSA international mm-hmm. students uh, would have to. So, you know, I, I think that there's more work that needs to be done on this. Um, I think a lot of people agree, charter schools included, that this is an issue that does need to be tackled um, in terms of leveling the playing field. Um, but I don't think that this is the way that a lot of the schools would like to see that done. Nick Stevens, managing editor, highschoolot.com. Thank you very much for your time, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, real quick before we hit uh, hit out of the gate. Uh, Nick actually mentioned uh, a school there that my son is right now scheduled to attend. And uh, it does seem incredibly like what are people scared of in high school athletics? I guess they're scared of uh, recruiting. We already have rules against recruiting, Um, but it does seem incredibly unfair. Just why can't you just do it by enrollment? Why does it have to be uh, other? I mean, do we really think? I, I I guess maybe maybe it's happened before in the past, and we're, we're terrified. Do we really think that we'll just use the wake prep uh, instance? Do we really think that they're telling all the best players who would otherwise go to Wake Forest or Rollsville uh, that you know you come here? Are, really, is that what we're? Because that's already against the rules. Never mind. People are. People are terrified about the wrong things. Um, And people care too much about winning in high school sports for my taste. Uh, All right. We have uh, we have time to get some stuff done. Let's get out of the gate.
By the way, should I have not mentioned this yet? We have uh, Graham. Graham's on the ones and twos today, right, Graham? Yes, I am. Happy to be here, Adam. <laughs> A lot of moving parts back here at the ranch. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So, uh, yes, there are moving parts out here as well. All right, the history was made in San Francisco last night. The Lakers held off a very, very late charge by the Warriors, but L.A. claims game one of their Western Conference semifinal series. Warriors got off to a great start. Klay Thompson was on fire, and then it all just fizzled out. From that point on, the Lakers were dominant. Actually, I might have to amend that. It could just be that Anthony Davis was that guy. Uh, tw- what, 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, four blocks, or four four assists and five, I don't know, crazy. He had a monster game, and if he's going to do that, then I, this could be a quick series with Golden State. Here's Darvin Ham, the head coach of the Lakers, on his big man's historic night. You're talking about top 75 players, some of the best players in our league or basketball in general has ever saw um, in its history. And so, uh, again, that's what we expect of him. We know that's what he's capable of. You know, it's great. We needed every bit of all those points and rebounds and block shots and uh, assists as well. So the biggest thing for us is, again, not to get happy, stay humble, respect our opponent, but also know that there's a ton of work left to be done. And um, it's not the first to one. It's not the first with the greatest performance individually. We just got to keep stacking, keep stacking days, keep coming out, putting our best foot forward. The, what the Lakers have, I think, is the ability to not need great nights from everyone because they didn't get great nights from everyone, including one Mr. LeBron James, who was good. He just wasn't great. He didn't have to be great. He could rely on Davis or other players to be great. Uh, the Warriors didn't play their best game either. We'll get to them in a second. But here's what Darvin Ham was, was referencing, talking about top 75 players of all time. So it was only the fifth time in Lakers history that a player went for at least 30 points and at least 20 rebounds in a playoff game. And here are the other four names. Shaquille O'Neal, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Elgin Baylor, LeBron James said that's why uh, Davis's name and number is going to go into the rafters at some point. Maybe. I'm not even having this discussion at this point. But uh, for the better part of really Anthony Davis's entire time with the Lakers, we've seen flashes of this guy. But suddenly, suddenly. We know it's in there. It's been in there for Anthony Davis for a while. Davis has seemed to become this guy. So if he becomes the Lakers' best player and you've got LeBron as the number two, man, that is a tough nut to crack. I Look, I said before the series, even though I picked the Warriors before the playoffs started, the way the Lakers played against the Memphis Grizzlies, yes, Grizzlies didn't have... Uh, a fully operational John Morant. But the way the Lakers played in that series was eye-opening to me 
The Lakers didn't even get much out of Rui Hachimura. They didn't get great performances from, uh, I mean, Austin Reeves only had 10. There's another gear. There's another level for L.A. to take it. Um, as for the Warriors, wasn't uh, wasn't their best. Let's hear from Kendrick Perkins on what they need to do differently in game two. I think he have no choice but to go small and try to push the pace. Right. Because if he stay with that two big lineup and Draymond Green and Kevon Looney, that's better for the Lakers. That's going to give them an opportunity to load up. That's going to give them a better chance of getting back in transition. And they are too long and athletic across their front line when you think about Jerry Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James to play two bigs. So they're not going to stop them on the offensive end. So what he's going to have to do is try to push the pace, something like what the Kings tried to do to go to state. Already making adjustments in the second game of a conference series. So, uh, look, I think, and I said this before we even saw game one, man, the Warriors are going to have to get really, really good offensive performances out of Clay. Steph has to be there, and they need something out of Andrew Wiggins. And Jordan Poole played a good game, um, played a very good game and an efficient game for him. So they need all of that to have a chance in this series. Their, their, their margin for error is not as wide as the Lakers. As for the other series in the NBA, uh, Miami did not have Jimmy Butler, but man, they had the lead late into the third quarter, but ultimately the Knicks had too much Jalen Brunson and too much Josh Hart. I thought the Knicks really gutted this one out. Here's their guard, Jalen Brunson. I think we made it just a couple more plays at the end of the game. Um, you got to give them credit. They kept fighting. Um, what they were doing all game, uh, just it's hard to guard. And um, we just had to do a better job of it uh, throughout the entire game. But towards the end, we made a couple more plays than they did and um, came with the win. Yeah, I think uh, the Knicks also off the bench got a great performance uh, out of Hartenstein. And he didn't go for big numbers, but... Mitchell Robinson picked up two fouls early, like in the first five minutes, six, six minutes of the game, and he had to go to the bench. And Hartenstein just gave him a chance. He only had three points, but he had nine boards. Robinson only played 21 minutes in the game. Julius Randle had a big game, uh, but Josh Hart had so many big shots. Brunson had 30, but Hart had so many big shots in the fourth quarter. Good game also for R.J. Barrett, who got off to a great start. Uh, in the game, and he had 24 points. So the Knicks even their series with the Heat, and that's going to be a long series. Still like Miami in that series. So the um, just fun. It, it was fun. It's kind of old school basketball, I think. There is a uh, not an animosity, but Knicks and Heat, man, they go back. They have beef. They have beef with one another. It's it's been a long time. Uh, speaking of beef, I don't frankly uh, know if this really qualifies, but the Hurricanes are going to welcome back an old friend tonight. For the third straight year in the playoffs, Eric Halla is coming back to PNC Arena to play a playoff game. He was with Nashville two years ago in the Pandemic Central. He was with Boston last year, and he's with the New Jersey Devils, Jordan Martinook, Hurricanes alternate captain on whether or not the fans should, will, boo Eric Halla. 
He's had a good year for them. I've, he had a good first round, and um, obviously he's playing a big, bigger, big role in, in Jersey. So we're gonna have to key in on him. And um, if our fans do do what they did last year, then all the power to them. We'll, <laughs> we're just trying to win. I mean, you should boo guys like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that Eric Hall is not a good player, or if you think him as a villain, he's the opposition. That's fine. I mean, you're not don't don't throw anything at him. But yeah, it's cool. Boo, boo, Eric Holla. That's, that's what we're here for. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.